We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we got week seven lines and lineups. Holden Kushner here alongside Roto Grinders legend, Dan Bach. And then, of course, Stop we got it. Vegas Insider Stop legend. Huh? Stop it. We're, what are we off to a hot start here? You're just. I mean, already just. Taming it? Getting me fired up here. Oh, the show's gone to hell. We're 10 seconds in. Kevin Rogers from Vegas Insider. How are you, boys? What's going on? You know what? Before we get into any, how are you, boys? K-Rod comes on. He starts complaining about all the flags in the NFL. Dan's like, ah, it happens. I'm, I'm saying it's enough already, but I'm not going to complain about it today. Just real quick, because we were looking back at the Monday night game, an egregious call changing the lines there. You know, K-Rod, I know you're passionate about this. You start with this. Like every week, do we have to just start digging into the referees and how many flags are going to throw in this game? Can we get an edge that way now? Yes, and good morning, gentlemen. I, I had Detroit, so I'm not complaining about how it ended last night. But at the same time, I mean, number one, the one that really got to me was the unsportsmanlike conduct, unnecessary roughness, whatever it was in the first half on that catch by the Packers receiver and the Lions safety drilled him. It looked bad, but what is he supposed to do? You know, and, and they call that flag – you have the hands to the face that wasn't hands to the face. You had the the catch out of the backfield late that uh, they, it was a little questionable. That one wasn't concrete. But uh, at the same time, the Lions had chances. You know, the, the first possession, Stafford throws that long pass down the field, and they end up uh, getting tackled inside the 10 and get held to a field goal. I mean, I mean, they had opportunities, the Lions, to blow the Packers out, and they didn't. The officiating wasn't good, but Detroit can also look at themselves and, and how they blew the game. And it really wasn't only that game, Dan. I mean, we had flags on every single play in the, what was it, the Jets' final drive against the Cowboys. It really is something we need to, I guess you're always taking into account, but it seems like it's times 10 this year where you need to start looking at the referees and really figuring out how many flags are getting thrown. And can you can that even help you in DFS? Well, I don't think it moves the needle too much in DFS, but I do think as – uh, just a society in terms of, you know, the fact that we watch these games and every single game has 30 different angles for you to look at a replay. And there's just so social media immediately. You've got opinions coming out about things. I mean, it's a different world today than it was even 10 years ago 
watching football. And I think that kind of uh, maybe magnifies the problems a little bit more. But, you know, a, a perfect example of, like, one mistake that they're not really correcting too well, and that's, you know, this review of pass interference. And they just have not been overturning very many of them at all. And then, of course, you had that that spot late in that game um, last night where it was clear pass interference, and the team didn't throw the flag. And I think they didn't throw the flag because there's no confidence that they're actually going to overturn these things. And, uh, and I think that's part of the problem here, but you know, I just kind of go back to it. It's the other thing to look at too, is a lot of the best officials there make more money being on TV and radio talking about the officials rather than actually being one. So uh, I think the best solution, add more officials, put more people on the field. What does it hurt? If it doesn't get in the way, why not have, you know, two um, referees in the backfield? You don't, you don't necessarily need one um, in, in, get more eyeballs on the actual play itself. And it should, in theory, you know, lead to better officiating, I think. But uh, I'm not too worried about it. It's just the, day, the, the the world we live in today. Yeah, I'm not freaking out about it. It's just something you definitely want to look at. And if you got a bad beat, you're obviously going to be freaking out about it. Here's the five games we're doing today. And actually, I thought last week's slate was garbage for the most part. Um, love this slate. We got the Saints and the Bears at 425 Eastern. We'll start with that one. Ravens, Seahawks, another 425 game. Texans at the Colts at 1 o'clock. Rams at the Falcons at 1 o'clock. And then the another couple of garbage teams. I guess the Giants aren't garbage anymore, but the Cardinals at the Giants. And we've been targeting DFS, a lot of these bad games that have ended up scoring some points. K-Rodge, let's start with you on this 425 game. We got the Saints, um, three-point underdogs at Chicago. The line stayed the same there. The over-under is 38-and-a-half. You got the Saints pretty good against the spread, four and two so far. Their defense, Cam Jordan, has just been magnificent. I think people overlook what their punter, Thomas Morstead, has done. He was pinning the Jaguars back time and time again. They got a good special teams. After a slow start, K-Raj, this defense has come on, and this will probably be ugly up there in Chicago. Yeah, they played very well, and uh, Teddy Bridgewater, 4-0 straight up and against the spread as a starter since taking over for Drew Brees. We obviously don't count that Rams game. He came in in relief, but uh, the defense, like you mentioned, Holden, has been fantastic, and you know, you look back at the last few weeks, what they've done, allowing six points to Jacksonville. They allowed 24 to Tampa Bay, but the Buccaneers scored a, a touchdown the final minute of that game, so you know that number was uh, inflated a bit held the Cowboys to 10 points, and even Seattle scored a lot of touchdowns late in that game after they got into a huge hole. So the Saints' defense has been very good. What I find interesting with this line, you know, this is a second straight week that we're questioning why the Saints are an underdog on the road. Last week with Jacksonville that, you know, you kind of wonder. And I, I fell into this trap with Jacksonville. I said they got to be the play since they're favored. They haven't been really good at home. I know they beat the Titans uh, earlier in the year. But why is it this way? So I'm going to go Jacksonville. It didn't work out. It was a 6-6 game, and New Orleans scored a touchdown to win it. But I look at Chicago coming off the bye, off the London game, and off a loss to Oakland where they came back and they end up losing to a Raiders team that maybe isn't as bad as we thought they were. But at least defensively at home, they've allowed 10 points to Green Bay, 6 points to Minnesota. And defensively, the Chicago team is still very good. They're an elite level in this league. I know you probably look at the under just because both these defenses have been very good, 
But I think I'd lean towards the Bears here coming off the bye hmm. and seeing uh, a lot of people will be on New Orleans as a public underdog this week because of what they've done and because of their record, it's better than Chicago. But the Bears, I think that they could pull this one out at home. What about the Trubisky factor? If he plays, if he doesn't play, and of course Kyle Long is done. Once again, he's on IR, so it's a little blow to the line. But how much does Trubisky, once we get final word on him, how much does it move it? I mean, I'm sure that you will see, I'm guessing maybe like a half point. I mean, I can't think this guy is worth a point or two. I just don't see that. And obviously, even in the Minnesota game, they still were fine even without him. And and this Vikings offense finally blew up this past weekend against the Eagles. You saw what Chicago did to them really hold them down a few weeks ago. But I think that the – not say that Bridgewater's due for a bad game. and Not like saying that he's been lighting the world on fire because he didn't have great stats his first few games before the Tampa Bay game. But I think that Chicago's defense can stifle New Orleans. And, look, it's just about the Bears getting some kind of offense going. And New Orleans' defense has been great, but I think Chicago could get them. But also this could be a 21-17 game. I'm not calling for a Bears blowout, but I think that Chicago – We'll, uh, we'll get this one if Trubisky plays or even if he doesn't play. All right, so, Dan, on a DFS note in this game, it is going to be you know, low, a lower line at 38-and-a-half as it stands right now. Let's get into the Saints and start with Alvin Kamara. I mean, he's not winning you weeks. He's basically uh, – what is it? He's a floor play. He had 37-23 in the last two weeks. He's ended up around 12-17. and 17. What's going on with Kamara – is this a spot where we want to target him since nobody's going to be on him? Because it's it's concerning in DFS. You know, the price tag, 7500 on DraftKings. Do I want to invest in Kamara this week? I don't think so. I mean, it's hard to get too excited about a team that's got an 18-point implied <laughs> team total and uh, a salaries that on guys like Kamara and Thomas, which are up, upper echelon. I mean, 7500 uh, on DraftKings – and uh, 79, I think, for Thomas, 75 for Kamara. So it, it's just too much. I mean, the plays here, if any, are coming from Chicago's side of things. Allen Robinson has been, you know, a consistent producer for him, playing about 90% of snaps. He's only 5,500 on DraftKings, seven or more targets every game. If he scores a touchdown, he's going to make it. And then you've got two really, you know, cheap running backs. I have no faith in either of them in Montgomery and Cohen at 48 and 4,600. But it it wouldn't shock me in tournament play if one of those two guys kind of broke out and could be a value play, but tournament only. The only thing that I do think we need to really look at for kind of cash games head-to-head 50-50s are the defenses here. Um, The Bears – you know, the, they struggled versus Oakland, but the two games before then they had 17 and 21 uh, DraftKings points. And uh, they're coming in at 3,000 over on DK, 4,500 on FanDuel. They're squarely in play. And, uh, and again, I don't think this Bears offense is, is all that great themselves. And, you know, you can get the Saints for just a little bit cheaper. I'd side with the Bears at home, and I agree with uh, K. Rogers' take that maybe Bridgewater, you know, 4-0 against the spread. Is that trend really going to continue? Awful bye week. I, I like Chicago here too. Just real quick, K-Rod, getting back to your uh, over-under there. You, you get a little sense that you think it's going to go over. I don't want to put words in your mouth, right? So if it does go over, do both teams push it over? Or does one team pull away in your estimation? No, I think it stays under. You do think it stays under? Yeah, right. I just think that it – 
I, I the, the way these defenses have played, and since you don't have uh, an explosive offense in Chicago, and the Saints have proved they could win low-scoring games uh, with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback, that I could still see even four or five touchdowns put up in this game. But I just I really can't see a 38-28 game or something ridiculous like that. Uh, I think more so on Chicago's side. Like I don't see where Chicago is going to score 30-something points. But also I think the Bears can win this game 21-17, 20-17, 20-16, somewhere there and stay under the total. Yeah, yeah and- I, I actually uh, – I just think that the Saints can play to the pace of the team they're they're going against. If they need to to um, be more offensive-minded, we saw it against Tampa Bay, and Michael Thomas went absolutely ham that day. But we've also seen if they need to grind it out, they're, they're fine doing that. So uh, in this game, you know, if we thought Chicago was going to, you know, be able to score 28, 35 points, then, yeah, like maybe the Saints could match them. But – I just don't expect that flow to take place. And, and the scenario of the Saints like blowing out the Bears, very, very small. So uh, I think K-Rodge nailed it. I actually prefer the Saints D if we're going to uh, talk about cash games there. I just, you know, long is down now. If Trubisky comes back, we got to turn over two at a minimum. I, I love the special team. So I think this will be a really interesting game. Uh, maybe not as much from a DFS perspective, although I do think, you know, one player is going to have a big game in all likelihood. He'll stand out with a Tariq Cohen or whoever the hell it is or the Saints or the Bears D. But I think from a betting perspective, this is the, the most intriguing game that is on the slate. But let's get to our next game, also a 425 game. Ravens at the Seahawks. Baltimore's one of five against the spread so far. Then we got Russell Wilson, 17 touchdowns, no interceptions. You know, we had... Mahomes and Watson last week it's not going to get the same billing K-Raj but we have two spectacular quarterbacks here Russell Wilson the MVP through this point and Lamar Jackson who just ran for 152 yards through for over 200 that ain't happening this week but it opened at three and a half Seattle is now a four-point favorite the over-under is 50 and a half let's start with that game total because I think that's interesting throughout the years all oh, the Ravens defense been great Seahawks defense been great well Seahawks have a couple of holes there and the Ravens we've seen that they could be beat as well yeah and when you look at what Seattle has put up uh, they come back from that 20 to 6 hole against Cleveland on Sunday and even these numbers holding they're putting up 32 against Cleveland 30 against the Rams 27 against Arizona 27 against the Saints 28 against Pittsburgh this team can score and uh, even uh, defensively, you throw out the Arizona game, they've given up 26 or more for the last five games. And now, again, it goes back to like we always say, does this continue this week or not? And you go on the flip side with Baltimore. This is a very tough team to figure out, the Ravens, that, as you mentioned, one in five against the number. The only game they covered was that Dolphins blowout back in week one. And the last five weeks, three of them, they've been laying a touchdown or more. Now you get them in the underdog role. They're 0-1 against the spread as an underdog in that Kansas City loss back in week three. But also you look at the competition they played. Cincinnati hasn't won a game yet. Pittsburgh, one win. The Arizona Cardinals, who had them on the ropes a little bit. And Arizona's finally won a few in a row, and the Dolphins are a disaster. So really, and, and even Cleveland, who we can't figure out, they gave 40 points to them. So you say... All right, Baltimore's the top team in the AFC North, but really, what have they proven so far? And the only good team they played, they lost to in Kansas City. With all that being said, 
I think maybe the Ravens, because you look at them as potentially undervalued this week, Seattle's not covered a game at home yet this season. They're 0-3 against the spread. That Rams game, they closed as one-and-a-half-point favorites. They won by one. They probably should have lost outright if Zerline makes that field goal at the end. They lose outright to New Orleans. Even Cincinnati gave them problems back in week one. For some reason, this team has played better on the road than at home. I don't really have a huge opinion on the total, but as far as a side, Baltimore could be worth a look this week after all the struggles they've had against the number. All right, I want to get back to you on this game just a little bit on the side, but uh, Dan, here we go. You got the Ravens fourth against the run. Seattle's been good against the run. They're waiting for them really to step up. They've been 11th. I want to get to the running backs in this game, though, because we have a higher total. Chris Carson has just been matchup proof. I mean, he stopped fumbling the ball. He's he's an elite running back now. He's a, what is it, bell cow status at this point. On the other side with the Ravens, Mark Ingram, you have to take in the Lamar Jackson factor. Start with the running games for me. FanDuel, DraftKings, do you prefer one over the other? And is Chris Carson an elite play, even though he's going up against a very tough defense? Yeah, I think Carson's pretty much solidified himself as as the bell cow. And we don't see a lot of those in the NFL these days. I mean, three straight games, over 20 carries uh, and over 100 yards. And he also does catch four or five passes out in the backfield. And, you know, super playable. The salary is still reasonable enough. It's starting to climb up. And I do think Baltimore's defense might be a little bit better still than people think against the run. I mean, they're they're ranked uh, the 10th toughest fantasy points allowed to running backs. And that included that 80-yard run that that Chubb had. If you took that out of the mix, they'd, they'd rank even higher. So uh, I, I'm fine with Carson. I think he's going to be pretty chalky uh, after what we saw again last week. Um, and then Ingram on the other end, I, I just don't play him. There's not enough upside there. You've got Lamar Jackson, who's you know rushed for over 100 yards twice this season can call his own number on the goal line and just the ceiling is really low the only bust out game he had was versus the Kansas City Chiefs and the Chiefs just gave Carlos Hyde a 20 carry 120 yard game last week that's how bad that defense is so I've got no faith in Mark Ingram I don't know why people keep playing him he's like 30 percent owned in the Millie Maker every single (laughs) week but uh not gonna be on my lineups that's for sure well then Lamar Jackson 6800 DraftKings it's uh, Russell Wilson, 6,600, 17 touchdowns, no interceptions. But Lamar, on the other hand, you know, who's to say he's not going to run for 75 yards in this game? You prefer either one? Take, take the $200 into account. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it somewhat matters where you're playing. Like on DraftKings, Russell Wilson's the fourth highest salary, but he's the top yep. salary guy on, on FanDuel. So I'm definitely not playing him there. I mean, I like Lamar a little bit more just because – You've got greater upside in that run game. And we'll see if Marquise Brown comes back. I mean, that's going to be a a huge weapon for him this season. And I think they're really going to need him here. So, you know, if he comes back, I think that definitely, you know, raises his upside even a little bit more. And then uh, the tight end spot, Mark Andrews. I mean, you look at Seattle, fourth most fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Um, He's too cheap on DraftKings at 49 6.7 is pretty fair, but there's only about three tight ends we really want to play this week. So um, I think that's an interesting play. And then the last one I want to throw out there, too, is maybe getting a little bit sneaky, with, especially if Brown is out, on some of these cheaper receivers for Baltimore. If you really are looking to save 
Willie Sneed is like minimum salary on FanDuel. And uh, he still saw, I think, like five targets last game. And if they need to put up points, if they come are, are trying to play from behind, he's going to get peppered with looks. So I like him in tournament formats. It's just a super cheap stack with Lamar, but uh, probably only if Marquise Brown is out. Hey, K-Rod, the line open Seattle, uh, three and a half point favorites. It's been pushed up to four now. Where do you see this line going? Is it going to settle here for a little bit, or can you wait a little bit and see where it goes? Probably with what we've seen, I'm looking right now, three and a half is the total with the, or the side rather. Three uh-huh. and a half, it's opened at four. I mean, I think it probably stay around that point. I don't really – I'd see it more go towards Seattle hmm. than – uh Baltimore I I just don't think that this line will get a lot of heavy movement it's a tough game guys I mean it's really tough I'm telling you Baltimore uh as my lean but I don't really think that uh it's it's my strong it would be my strongest play of the week just because but it's just hard to ignore what Seattle has done at home from the standpoint of not really blowing anyone out and not say the, that the Ravens are due for a cover. That's not the case. But I'd like to see what Baltimore can do now in their second opportunity as an underdog and what Lamar Jackson can do against this defense that has been a, a little bit uh, eaten up uh, over the last few weeks. But it'll be a, a big challenge, though, for Baltimore's defense against the Seattle team that you mentioned Russell Wilson and the way he's been playing, that the Seahawks team can score. And uh, we'll see what uh, Baltimore has in store for them this week. Yeah, and I misspoke. This uh, line opened at four. Now it's Seattle minus three and a half. One o'clock game, Texans-Colts. Indianapolis, one-point favorite, opened at uh, two and a half. They were two and a half-point favorites. Over-under is 47 and a half. So, Kevin, right back to you on this one. Um, Texas coming off an impressive win in Kansas City, so people are taking that into account. The Colts the Colts had a bye, didn't they? I mean, I don't remember watching yeah. this weekend. So, Marlon Mack gets to heal up a little bit. Uh, T.Y. Hilton gets a chance to heal up a little bit. They're going to be going at full strength. Nobody gives Indianapolis the credit they deserve. Their defense, they really started building it up early last season. They went out and they drafted. It's coming together now. I think the surprise here is the offense. If they can get that run game going against the Texans, uh, that's the side I'm on. How about you, K-Rods? Give us a detailed breakdown of the Colts and the Texans in Indianapolis. I know we like to use cliches uh, in, in the broadcasting world, so I'll throw one out there that you got to believe that Houston has this game circled on the calendar. Since the Texans got knocked out by the Colts in the wild card round last year, obviously no Andrew Luck uh, this time around. But, you know, th- this is another, again, this is what we love about the NFL. All these games have so many different storylines to them. It's not like college where you expect a blowout, where you look at this game and Houston 3-0 and against the spread on the road this year should have beaten new orleans in the opener they i mean you can argue they probably should have lost to the chargers they came back and won that game and uh they dig out of a hole to beat kansas city this past sunday but deshaun watson is playing very well for the texans this team has put up over 80 points the last two weeks against the falcons and the chiefs they're going to face a better defense this week with the colts and for indianapolis what i wonder is coming off the bye after the chiefs win that to the bye maybe interrupt some momentum for this team. You go from a double-digit underdog at Kansas City to now a short favorite against the Texans. And this team, or these two teams played 
that crazy overtime game last year in Indianapolis, which was a must win for both these teams after a slow start. And the Texans kicked two field goals in overtime to beat the Colts. But I think that I got to ride Houston here, that the Colts, even though they come off that win against the Chiefs, I say, am I getting that team? Or am I getting the team that dug themselves a 14-0 hole to Oakland the week before? So which Colts team am I getting? I'm going to take the better quarterback and take the Texans here. Both teams coming off a win over the Chiefs. Um, every week, Dan Bach, Deshaun Watson seems to be an elite option. You've got Jacoby Brissett, who you know, if, if you started him over the last four weeks, you've had a couple of really nice weeks there. Let's start with the quarterback play here. Colts, good defense. You know, Texans, I think, could be exploited a bit, but are either one of these guys on your radar? Not Brissett. Uh, there's just other options we can play in that price range. Watson, absolutely got to be in play. I'm not going to likely go there in my cash games this week. Uh, I just think there's better price per dollar options for us. But, I mean, very simple. I mean, it's just you've got DeAndre Hopkins waiting to have a big game. And like Kevin alluded to, I mean, I remember stacking this game up last year, uh, and it was one of my best weeks. And you can do that because we've had – a lot of high-scoring fantasy games uh, from these two teams. I mean, you can look at DeAndre Hopkins. He's got touchdowns in three straight games against the Colts, and he's just way overdue to have that kind of tournament-winning upside in games. So I I think it's coming sooner rather than later. We saw Will Fuller last week drop three touchdowns. Um, He's down to 6.3 on FanDuel. I think you can play him there, but DraftKings still – really jacked up that price after that big game two weeks ago at 6.2K. Uh, so um, definitely a guy that I'm probably not playing on on DraftKings. And then the Colts side, like, I think we got to look at Marlon Mack here. You know, he's 6K on DraftKings, 7.1 on FanDuel. And I think he could be in store for a big game. Uh, a week off is only going to help him get healthier. He's had 20 or more carries and three of five. So off the bye week, I like him. And then lastly... T.Y. Hilton. I mean, nobody looks forward to playing the Texans more than T.Y. Hilton. Uh, 31.9, and 29.5. Those are his fantasy outputs in four of his last five games versus the Texans. He has owned this team. Now, obviously, Andrew Luck being quarterback versus Jacoby Brissett um, might not translate into that same sort of production, but he is really cheap sub 6k on DraftKings I think he might be chalked this week 5900 on DraftKings for T.Y. Hilton who the hell would have thought that and Fuller I love it you know he's he's always a tournament option but DeAndre Hopkins keep waiting for him to break out I mean at this point is even a cash game option the price this week I mean got better yeah Cooper Cup is going to be cheaper than him especially on DraftKings I at this point, maybe Nook is the tournament option, and it's the one that gets you over the top this week. Yeah, I mean, it's going to happen. Like, this guy is way too good of a receiver. And if you actually look at some metrics, I think uh, uh, J.J. Zacharyson tweeted out just his goal line looks are way down. Like, at this point in time, I think last year he had, like, 15 or maybe it was 15 for the entire year, and I think he's had, like, two inside the five. So mm. just his the flow has not really gone his way, but – Again, this is where you look for some of that positive regression. It's going to turn in his way at some point in time because his skill hasn't diminished. Uh, His quarterback is not any worse than he's ever been. It's just a matter of time before it comes, and it will for DeAndre Hopkins. And you want to be on it when it does. 
K-Rod, uh, game total here, 47 and a half. Discuss amongst yourself. Now, Dan brought up the uh, – am I on? Do I have to talk to you about it or talk with myself about it? I'd love for you to talk about yourself <laughs> uh, with yourself because it might be really entertaining. So right. how many personalities you got, buddy? I don't know. I got to I gotta see. <laughs> let, me, let me look back at my banner here. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the uh, – Look, you had the playoff game last year was 21 to 7. And the game in Indianapolis last year, 37-34. Both these teams had over 400 yards of offense. Uh, you know, even the game in Houston the second time around was a three-point game. It was 24-21. So, you know, again, you say, are we going to get that high-scoring game? Now, the one thing I'll note to you guys is looking back at this five of the last six meetings, again, Andrew Luck played, so we got we got to put that out there. But five of the last six meetings finished under the total. So maybe that overtime game we saw last year in Indianapolis was a bit of the outlier as opposed mm. to what you would normally see. I mean, when you think of some of these scores, 20 to 14, 22, 13, 24, 21, 22, 17. So a lot of these games were not as high scoring. And I'm going to go more with the thought process of, well, the Colts have played better defensively than they have scoring points where Houston has faced two crap defenses the last two weeks. We know Atlanta's defense isn't good at all. We saw what they did against Arizona last week and the Chiefs defense hasn't been good. So maybe this is one of those games that you end up somewhere in the low to mid twenties and it stays under the total. Yeah. And uh, again, the, the line moved, it was uh, open at two and a half and now it's Indianapolis minus one, but the, the, the over-under really moved to half a point, right? Maybe 47. I'm seeing it 48 a couple of places. I don't know how much it's going to move before game time, but it's interesting to see you guys kind of on two different sides. You know, K-Rod, you think it's going under, and Dan, well, are you I on mean, a different side? No, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily have a strong opinion on it. I just okay. think that you've got really cheap guys on the Colt side of things. I mean, like you say – Hilton is going to easily be one of the more popular plays out there. And in, in Marlon Mack, I mean, if he gets 20 carries when he's got, when he's gotten that sort of workload, he's been tremendous this season. So, you know, and he's at 6k on DraftKings, 7,100 on FanDuel. So yeah. um, I, I actually think that Kevin makes some really good points about the total. And, and maybe that's where in tournaments you don't play these guys because you know, Hilton's probably going to have 20% plus ownership on, the DraftKings Millie maker and uh, and he makes a pretty good case to you know maybe it isn't as high scoring and when you throw Brissett in there again we can look at some of those high scoring numbers of the past and and wonder whether or not we're going to see it again yeah I, I've just been waiting for Marlon Mack's uh, ankle to get better and with the time off yep. I absolutely love it on 7100 on FanDuel I mean and I mean I like the Colts reasonable. here too I like the Colts I'm telling you I think you know momentum you talk about it you know I don't think it's a bad thing that they had a bye week after the uh, the Kansas City game because, you know, I think there's a huge letdown spot coming for the Texans. I mean, that was a huge win for them to go on the road and win that game. Colts had a week to kind of let everything die down a little bit and come back in a little bit more focused. So uh, I'm on the Colts side on the betting side. Betting yeah, I, I want to see if they can protect Deshaun Watson again. You know, that's been a real issue for them. Not, not just this year either. Uh, another one o'clock game. I'd say both teams are disappointments just to different levels. The Rams at the Falcons. So one o'clock Eastern time game, you get the Rams going East. Of course, Atlanta's allowing 6.2 yards per play. I mean, this is historically horrible stuff there. It opened at LA minus four. 
It was uh, now LA minus three, and I'm seeing it at even here. K Raj, minus three and even. Um, you seeing that or no? Yep. So I mean, I find that to be a little bit interesting. The game total open at 52 and a half. Now the over under is at 54. The Rams defense has been awfully disappointing too. Um, and listen, Matt Ryan, he'll fall behind 21 nothing, and they'll get this game back. I know it got pushed to 54, but I think it's the game total that's interesting to me, and I could see this one exceeding that. How about you? You know, this I, I think is the most intriguing game of the week, even though these teams really? have been really bad recently, just because you say, all right, are the Falcons really that bad? And they did dig themselves at 27 to 10 hole. They came back against Arizona. They came back again with that late touchdown, but Matt Bryant missed the extra point. And I actually was on Arizona in that game. I was, I was afraid that we were going to go to overtime and Atlanta was going to get a front door cover. I, I was so afraid of that, that Arizona had that game in the bag and then they needed to get lucky with that missed extra point. But the Falcons back at home as an underdog first time since the Philadelphia game back in week two, and look, guys, you can argue with all these games. This could have happened. This could have happened. But my goodness, down 27-10 to Arizona, blown out by Houston, blown out by Tennessee. They were down that whole game against the Colts before they scored late. The Philadelphia game, they probably should have lost if it wasn't for the Julio Jones touchdown. In Minnesota, they weren't even in. So Atlanta's been terrible this whole season, but we're going on reputation because of Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. And Devontae Freeman actually had a decent game against Arizona but on the flip side too with the Rams 3-0 and looking good maybe a Super Bowl contender give up 55 to Tampa Bay lose the Seattle game and then just a no-show against San Francisco I know Gurley didn't play and Jared Goff's numbers were terrible I don't know what to think of these two teams just by looking at the line I probably want to side with the Falcons just because you're getting them at home as a dog if you have two struggling teams, you might as well take the points out of these two teams and not lay it with L.A. going east. Now, they have gone east twice this year and won at Carolina and Cleveland, so we'll give them that. But also, this is a 1 o'clock game. The Cleveland game was a night game. The confidence, I think, is kind of shot a bit with the Rams and the Falcons. Again, I don't know if I'm just waiting for them or silly to play them, getting the points, but – if you had to, to, as they say, put the gun to the head in this game, I'd probably take the points here with the Falcons. Yeah, but the Falcons are just so bad. I know. They're, they're just horrible in every facet. Um, and their offense is not even has been stagnant unless they fall behind. You know, they're playing catch-up, which in DFS, Dan, we love. I mean, Matt Ryan is a top-three fantasy quarterback this year. He doesn't move it with his legs, but he's got some tremendous weapons. We know Julio we're waiting on Julio to get back in the end zone after a couple of huge games early in the season. They found him a lot last week. Calvin Ridley has been a little bit inconsistent, but he could have a blow up game. Muhammad Sanu is still there. As we heard K Raj bring up, you know, Dan Quinn was very complimentary of, um, uh, of Devonte Freeman too. So let's start on the Falcon side. Akeem Talib is down. He's on the IR, too. And this is this is a Rams defense. It's not getting much pressure on the quarterback. Um, I think we can look at the Falcons here and play some Falcons this week, can't we? Yeah, I mean, I think this is one of the more stackable games we have on the slate. And, and you talk about Matt Ryan and uh, playing from behind. I mean, that's been the story all year long for them because their defense is a total disaster. And I think he's actually on pace to – 
eclipse or come near like the uh, single season yardage record. Like he is putting up that gaudy in numbers. And the frustrating thing again is Julio Jones not getting in the end zone, kind of like we've seen with, you know, DeAndre Hopkins. He's had some really big games though. So he's a guy that, you know, if you're playing some Matt Ryan, uh, I think you're foolish if you're multi-entering and not teaming him up with Julio and and maybe running it back with a, with a Ram or two. So, uh, I'm fine with that. I mean, the ancillary wide receivers, I, I give a slight edge to Ridley over Sanu. I just think Ridley has multiple touchdown upside that Sanu doesn't have. Um, and then Freeman, like he's 5.4K on DraftKings. He's been 18 fantasy points uh, or more in three consecutive. And like you said, if Dan Quinn's talking him up a little bit, I mean, let's face it, you know, Judge Ito Smith has been awful out there as, as their running back too. Everybody was excited about this cat and uh, he's – He's done nothing. So I think Freeman deserves the reps, especially in a kind of uh, faster paced game like this. Like he's viable coming from behind catching balls, which is a full point over there on DraftKings. So uh, I like him a bit, but I mean, let's talk about the Rams holding. I mean, how can we not play these guys here? Like, well, here's the deal. Everybody's going to be shot off of Jared Goff. Love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, Are they though? Yeah, I well, listen. Everybody that plays these days in DFS seems to be really sharp, but I think yeah. recency bias still gets in a lot of people's heads, doesn't it? I mean, I, well, just... I mean the the only bias I have is seeing guys like Marcus Mariota, guys like uh, Kyler Murray, uh, absolutely take the top off of this offense. And you've got Jared Goff, who admittedly road splits aren't great, but. He's got three outstanding weapons out there in Cup, Cooks, and Woods coming off a bad offensive game. You got to think McVay is going to have them hyped up, ready to go. He's only 6.2 on DraftKings. Like, that is way too cheap. I think he might be uh, the chalk for cash games on DK this week at that price point. And well, you know, I, I think, as far as guys who have struggled, you know, we're sitting here at 7,800 on FanDuel. How popular is he going to be on FanDuel? I mean, I can't imagine it. And I'm very happy Cooper Cup busted because maybe that'll take two or three percentage points off of him, yeah. too. I mean, he's going to be – he'll be just about as chalky as any wide receiver has been this season. But for me, if you're going to go with a team against a bad team, I'll just – I'll take the $100 and I'll go down to Jared Allen. I mean, Jared Allen's on FanDuel 7700 But is Goff going to be low-owned enough to play in a tournament? Yeah, I mean, FanDuel's a little bit different animal because the the salary is is different there, and I think that we're not going to have nearly as much kind of quote unquote chalk on FanDuel at that position as we will on DraftKings. And you know, golf versus Josh Allen, man, can you believe we just even are like discussing these two things? Like a, a two a year or two ago, we would have been laughing at a scenario that would have us play Josh Allen over Jared Goff, but that's how bad Miami has been this year. But I mean, I just think Goff has everything in his favor. It's a stackable game. I think he'll he'll be pretty highly owned in GPPs because we've seen, you know, if you played the Rams in Tampa Bay stack two weeks ago or three, whenever that was, yep. two, three weeks ago, you won all the money, all of it, <laughs> on both sides because you had Godwin go ham, you had Gurley go ham, you had Goff go ham. Everybody went crazy in that game. And that could easily happen here. You've got those sort of playmakers on the field and we'll see what happens at the running back position. I think Gurley will end up going here and he'll probably be overlooked. 7,100 on FanDuel, 6,400 on DraftKings. Fine for that price, 
Um, you just worry whether or not he's going to make it throughout the entire game, but I doubt they bring him back unless he's healthy enough to go. Yeah, if he's not back, I think that everybody that got burned by uh, by Brown, Malcolm Brown last week, now he's priced up to 6,100 on yeah. FanDuel. But he's questionable too. You know, he got banged up a little bit. But if Brown's in there, I'm going right back to the well. Um, and actually, I didn't I mean, play may, much Brown. I mean, I think Henderson looked like the better running back. I mean, that dude has speed to kill. and But they use I, him on third down. They're not going to give him the carries. Well, they didn't the last game, and uh, they lost. So I, I don't think it's an impossibility, but you would need a lot of things to, to happen to kind of go that route. Um, and that would certainly be only kind of a tournament side of things. But, you know, Brown, you're right. I think a lot of people will be like hands off completely yep. after what happened last week. That's the recency bias. I think people will buy into we've seen Jared Goff be good and against this defense he's going to throw three touchdowns a lock and load I mean I don't know what that prop is but you know take the over two and a half touchdowns he's throwing three in this game yeah don't run against San Francisco and don't take anything out of it which is why you know Brown last week was just a complete debacle and this week it's an amazing matchup so we'll see if Gurley can get in there uh last thoughts on this game real quick K-Raj I know you mentioned it a little bit but this total being in the 50s is this just a couple of struggling teams that are going to put up a ton of points? Oh, mute. Huh? I'm muted? Let's try that again. Sorry. Okay. I'm back. <laughs> testing. Testing. Okay, I'm back. Sorry. That was for Holden. I thought I was muted. No. So, hey, there never. you go. You're never – Holden, you're never muted. Oh, trust me. My wife <laughs> likes to mute me all the time. Hey, uh, 50s. It's yeah. the over-under in the 50s. Yeah, Over? I – you know what? I'm going to go with the under. Ooh, just, okay. You know what? I'm going to go contrarian. I think everyone wants the high-scoring game. We know the Falcons defensively are terrible. The Rams have been terrible as well. But, I mean, look, you want to go the flip side of the Rams? Really, it wasn't that bad against the 49ers. I mean, it really wasn't that terrible. I mean, considering the last two weeks against Seattle and against Tampa Bay. So, there's a bit of an improvement there. But, you know what? This is one of those things. You're getting this, this – uh, total so high that everyone wants to go into the 30s maybe Atlanta plays a little bit better this week and a little bit I'm not saying a lot but a little bit better and you can get maybe a 27-24 game something like that you hope so you think we can see it move back down toward 52 and a half no I think it'll keep going up because I think people will I think the public will want to ride that over just seeing how bad Atlanta's been but also knowing that Atlanta can score points that that it's not just Atlanta's defense is bad that their offense like you guys have said, that they've fallen behind in a lot of these games, and, and Matt Ryan's putting up a bunch of yards and points because they've fallen behind. But uh, I don't know. There's just something about this game where I think coming home, not that they're playing for Dan Quinn's job. I don't think that's what it is. I just think the situation here that off this loss to Arizona, you know, it is a tough loss on the road, but, you know, maybe they, maybe they catch the Rams this week, and the Rams are a very beatable team when you look at it. I mean, Look, they beat New Orleans without Drew Brees, and they were all kind of discombobulated with him out, and then they bring Bridgewater in. And the other two games, Cleveland was a close game, and even the Carolina game got close at the end. So it's not like the Rams have been dominant by any stretch either. Yeah, I just I want to see the running back situation for the Rams before I, I really feel good. But this is a game that I want to have action on. I, I really – um, and then it'll make me watch even more of the game. So I'm excited. Now, the last game, Cardinals, Giants, 1 o'clock. I'm most interested in this from a DFS perspective. Giants minus 3, opened at 50. The over-under is now at 49. So before we get to the DFS side of things, these two teams are not very good. But, K-Raj, 
Um, at least the Giants have shown a pulse. They might be getting Saquon Barkley back this week. We don't know what the workload would be. They also uh, are getting Evan Engram back this week. A lot of offensive injuries for this team. And on the Cardinals side, you know, Kyler Murray, we see him turn the ball over quite a bit. He's starting to run a bit more, but I do not like the Cardinals on the road. And I can't believe that right now I'm looking at the Giants saying, hey, three points ain't bad. I'm with you. I mean, look, you're asking Arizona win their third straight game. And they built that two-touchdown lead against Cincinnati, and Andy Dalton led him back uh, to tie it late, and the Cardinals won it with a field goal. And like we mentioned before with the Cardinals-Falcons game, Arizona was great for a while, and they still almost lost that game if it wasn't for a missed extra point, you know, that, that would have forced overtime. So Arizona, yeah, they have played better, obviously, this year with Cliff Kingsbury and with Kyler Murray than last year. Last year was, it was a dumpster fire, and this year they've been better. They're not winning the NFC West. They're not going to make the playoffs. But I think with the Giants, though, there's got to be a little bit of confidence with Daniel Jones now that they feel better. Look, they hung with New England last week. That was not an easy spot for them with Saquon out, with a lot of guys out, and they still were in that game. Understandably, they had the defensive touchdown. They sacked Brady, and, and that was helpful. But also the Patriots scored a couple uh, non-offensive touchdowns as well. So even though Daniel Jones wasn't great, he had that bad throw that got picked off by the sidelines, that I, I got to think the Giants feel a little better about themselves. And the only winnable game, I guess, quote-unquote, they've had was the Washington game, and they blew out Washington, and that game is a favorite. So now they got another winnable game, Arizona going cross-country, and I think with the Cardinals off two close wins, I got to think the Giants uh, could be a look this week. All right, we'll get back to the game total here in just a little bit. But, Dan, this is kind of juicy because we might see the Giants offense at full force. And that, to me, yeah, you say that with Eli, there's no chance. And it's not like Daniel Jones has been tearing it up in a DFS perspective. But if Shepard's back, then you got Tate, then you got Ingram, then you got Saquon Barkley. This offense has got a lot of weapons, believe it or not. The question is, is Daniel Jones going to be able to step in and make enough of it, or is it going to be more Saquon? How do you feel? There's so many questions here, Dan. I just asked you 50 of them. So let's talk about the Giants <laughs> offense. Let's just get to yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, I think Daniel Jones we can look at here a little bit. I mean, the last two games were really tough matchups uh, against great defensive teams there in the Patriots and the Vikings. So this is a – an infinitely better matchup for him and when you factor in that he's got Barkley back he's likely got Ingram back uh Golden Tate didn't miss a beat last week um Shepard might be out but still like those just putting those two guys is just a huge huge bump to this offense and he's 7200 over there on FanDuel and 6100 on DraftKings uh, that $6,100 number on DraftKings, it's tough because you can get golf for just like 100 more in that crazy shootout. But 72 on on FanDuel I think could be playable, and I think he's definitely a guy I'd have in my tournament player pool. And I think a sneaky way to play this game too is is play him and Saquon together. I mean, Saquon's a guy who's going to catch seven to eight balls, and there's nothing better than when you get that running back to uh, quarterback touchdown pass and then you get all the other goodness that comes along with him rushing the ball. And that DK algorithm, man, they they ever juice him up. 8,900 for Saquon Barkley this week. So they are expecting him to put up a monster game. I agree with it. I, I'm going to be playing him a lot. Maybe not in cash games at that price, but I will definitely be overweight on him in tournaments. And then Evan Ingram, he gets a date with the worst tight end defense 
in all of fantasy football. Everybody goes off, so he'll be mega chalk this week on both FanDuel and DraftKings. Kind of juiced up a little bit, but again, uh, no Kelsey on this slate, so uh, I think a lot of people will go there. Yeah, you got you got Kittle, uh, who's at seventy one hundred on Fanduel. Engram's at sixty eight, and then Austin Hooper at sixty six. Hey, we we didn't even talk about him uh, in that last game. All he is is the number one scoring tight end yeah. in the NFL. He, he's actually got more fantasy points than Julio Jones. Uh, I bet you most people did yeah. not expect every that. format. Every four yeah. guys over hundred points in PPR. He's going nuts. So Austin Hooper, yeah. and again. Um, Dirk Cutter was listening to his press conference. He all he did was talk him up. Absolutely. Yeah. There's two guys that got talked up more than anybody else by their coaches this week. Number one was Austin Hooper. Number two is Auden Tate because Zach Taylor yeah. just at, he's like, this guy is great arrows up. So that's another guy, although we're not talking about uh, the Bengals here. Yes. Well, can I hit up on the Arizona side too? Cause I think this is another very stackable game here. And I, I also think a play is to run Kyler out there and then run it back with Ingram and Saquon. I think this game has a high potential to, to shoot out. I mean, we finally had a three-touchdown game from Kyler last week. The sad thing is, you know, two of those touchdowns went to the running back and one went to a no-name tight end. So um, I think you can play <laughs> Kyler this week and actually look at the receivers, though. I mean, the Giants this season, uh, they've given up um, just, what, the third-highest um, – or the fourth most fantasy points of quarterbacks and the third most to wide receivers this season. So I think we can go to a price down Fitzgerald at five, six, six, one on DraftKings, And then I'm going to throw another out there. I think this could be a Keyshawn Johnson week. He played in 81% of snaps last week. He's 3,900 on DraftKings, 46 near minimum over there on FanDuel. He really just has to get a touchdown in that scenario uh, David Johnson, probably a, a stay away from me this week. I mean, I just Disagree. don't love the salary. Disagree. See, I lo- love those are- 12 carries he gets, huh? Right. I mean, bailed go, you out with touchdowns. Go look at what they're doing in the passing game here. And by the way, I love my Chase Edmonds call from last week because he's getting as many carries now as David Johnson over the last couple of weeks, whether or not that's because of the back or the injury, whatever the hell. But if you're doing a game, you think this game's going to go high. I'm looking at a Kyler to, to David Johnson touchdown pass again. So I actually I mean, I think I th- I think your I think your Saquon and Daniel Jones side is a really shrewd move, and I think that going Kyler with David Johnson in a GPP is another terrific move. And and I don't how high owned is is it going to be with Kyler and Saquon and and Johnson? And these are three guys that could go off. Yeah, I mean, the, the the problem is fit him all in. I mean, David Johnson's the third highest priced running back on DraftKings. Like, yep. And he's seventh over there on FanDuel. Now, a lot of that has to do exactly with what you're talking about. He's getting all of his fantasy points in the passing game. And on DraftKings, they're worth twice as much mm-hmm. as they are on FanDuel. But that is still a big price to pay. And, and I don't know that you're going to be able to fit Kyler DJ and Saquon in if you went that route you might need to just come off Saquon and play you know Evan Ingram on the other side of a stack or, or throw in a uh, a golden Tate but um, I mean he's he, I do that all the time like I've done that a lot this year I don't hate it I just don't like it when the prices are up on Kyler and the prices are up on DJ the last few weeks Kyler was still cheap and you could you could stack those guys up so uh, I'm gonna call for the wide receivers to do it this week that you know you saw a good a get right spot um for Adam Thielen a couple weeks ago I mean Fitz he's been okay he's been boring but 
and I don't think he's ever going to just kind of have a, a smash game, but can he give us 80 and a touchdown or two? Absolutely. In this matchup. So he's just too cheap. Five, six on FanDuel. I mean, that's a, it's a cash lock versus the giants for me. Do you ever onslaught? Absolutely. Season? All right. Yeah. So I you want to save I, some I, salary, play your Keyshawn Johnson. Man. I will. There that, you that'll go. That'd be great. Keyshawn Johnson, maybe Demir bird will come back or Christian Kirk will do something. So if you're going to onslaught, I think there's tons of ways to save some money there. Uh, K Rod, real quick, open at 40 and open at 50. It's down to 49. Yeah. I'm, I followed, I followed the, uh, that number and go, go low. I mean, number hmm. one, look at the last two weeks who they played. They played the Patriots and the Vikings. So they played a couple tough defenses. So you would think, oh, the Giants would score more. But also, looking back at it with Daniel Jones, all right, they scored 32 against Tampa Bay, but they were getting blown out, and uh, Jones made the comeback. 24 against Washington, 24 combined the last two weeks. So the offense really hasn't been great. I know Saquon hasn't been there for the last three-plus games. But uh, yeah. on the flip side, that's a big deal, Kevin. You know, is it? You think? So? But he's just yes. going to come in. He's going to he's going to light up this offense. Because guess what, fellas? They scored seventeen and fourteen with Eli when Saquon was in there. Yeah, but Daniel Jones is better than Eli. So, like, I mean, Saquon Barkley is like the best offensive player in the league. Like, I he's worth that. some points. I understand that, but you're just going to say that the Giants are going to score thirty-one this week now if he comes back. Fight, 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 fight. I, I'll, I'll, I mean, I would say I, I think there's a good chance that the Giants will score over 30 in this game. Absolutely. I think there's a very good chance that happens. That's, Kevin, so I guess you, I'm kind of going against what I said about, yeah. you know, they're facing two great defense the last two weeks. Then you get Arizona, who's terrible defensively. But, uh, you know, on the flip side, with, here's my problem with the Cardinals. They're just so inconsistent that they start games off well and then stink. They stink in the first half and then play well in the second half when they're down. They just can't put together a good game. That's what it is. And, look, I would still go under, and you could have a Giants 31-10 win. You know, so everyone wins. So Saquon gets the points if he plays. The Giants defense steps up. They don't play a great defense this week as they did the last two weeks. And Arizona comes back to life. So everybody wins. And Cliff Kingsbury's hair is still brushed nicely. Did you learn something about DFS today with your with our onslaught? Yeah. And he's like my favorite uh, Pirates catcher, Don Slot, right? Uh, yeah. Don Slot. <laughs> my guy was Benny DiStefano, the only uh, left-handed catcher that I've ever seen. He was with the Pirates too. Uh, just real quick, Onslaught, of course, is just putting a whole bunch of guys – in the same game. And if, if you are a sports better, you haven't tried DFS out yet. I highly recommend it. And if can you I, do, if you do props, yeah. Can I just say one thing to, to our audience? I've known Holden Kushner for over 15 years. That's the first time I've made him laugh in 15 years. So That's I feel proud true. about this. First time legitimately true. laughing. I think I feel good about myself today. I, I really don't even don't. know what I was laughing about. The Don Slot thing. Oh, because I was so uncomfortable. I needed to let out a nervous <laughs> laugh, K Raj. Hey, you're doing a great job over there, Vegas Insiders. Give us a little bit of uh, info before we get out of here. All right. Past uh, the NFL, obviously, we have NBA starting next week, and the college football continues, the baseball playoffs, the NHL. So, very busy time here at VegasInsider.com to check out uh, our picks and our articles, all of that. You can check me out on Twitter at B I Rogers, R O G E R S.
Let's go. Hey, Rod, K. Rodge, are you uh, are you working on your uh, XFL power rankings uh, after the draft here today? As we speak, I just got done with the uh, WNBA season, so I got to move over to the XFL. <laughs> you clean up on WNBA, don't you? You can. I I didn't. I was okay. I was a little streaky this year. But look, guys, it's like anything else. If you just follow it, you could find winners. Simple as that. Uh, Dan Bach, please. Uh, the Rotor Grinders legend. I know we got Roto Grinders. I know we got the Sharp Side app. I know we got the Roto Grinder sports betting. So please inform our wonderful audience. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't been to rotogrinders.com, come on. I mean, check it out. Daily Fantasy. We do every sport, NBA starting up soon. And uh, we've got shows right up until roster lock. And you have to be paying attention to NBA because basically news dictates how you're building your lineups. Uh, but uh, I'm doing something special this week for college football. Um, I know it's not eligible for everybody um, in different states. I know Holden can't play out there in Colorado. But what you can do, Holden, you go to statekings.com, and you can buy a share of my lineups. I'm, I'm uh, putting up a uh, staking out there on State Kings. So you can buy a percentage of my teams in the big GPP on DraftKings this week. And if I hit, then you hit. So it's a, it's a fun way to kind of – basically get a sweat with me. So we do that every now and then. And I've got uh, a package posted over there on stakekings.com. We're a partner with them. And uh, it's a fun way to maybe sweat college football, even if you can't build teams or know that much about it. So give it a try this week. So if you win, I love you. And if you don't, then I send you horrible text messages. Yeah, I mean, is this yeah that's, that's, the, that's the pressure of, of the whole staking world is, uh, <laughs> is that if you lose, you're also losing – some other people's yeah. money too, but yeah. I still got, I think I got like 65% of myself and then 35% out to other people. So I'll, I've got plenty of skin in the game. Don't yeah. And if K-Rod screws up his pick, his guaranteed pick, I mean, listen, people just get, get their money back. They get their right? money back. Well, I mean, you don't get the money back that you lost, but you get your money back for the pick and nobody has K-Rod's number. You know, you, on the other hand, there's a lot of problems there for me. I might be living in Denver, but I still got my, my capital behind me. Let's go Nats. All right. Let's go Nats. <laughs> Wrap this thing up as we're sitting here on Tuesday. So everybody knows already what happened. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Holder Radio. Dan? At Dan underscore Bach. B-A-C-K. K-Rodge. V-I Rogers. I'm doing 12 shows a week, guys, and this is one of my favorite. Absolutely love doing this show. Love both sides of things. Great work for Dan, for K-Rodge. I'm Holden Kushner. Devin back in Nashville. Take care. Good luck this week. Have a fun time prepping for all these wonderful games.